Good morning, Liberty Lake Church. How y'all doing? Won't you join us with your love never fails as we lift our Lord and Savior's name on high. Things, bro. 
There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid, because I know that you love me. Your love never seated. Good morning. You know what's really cool about this? If you just stop and look around the room, we're a family. Now who else but God could give you brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews? Isn't it cool? Okay. (laughs) I think it's really neat. Something I wanted to start with this morning is Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Uh, Jesus is addressing uh, religious people that wanted to argue with the Son of God, part of the triune God. When Jesus responded by saying in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, he said, well, you're in error because you don't read the scriptures, so you don't know the power of God. In the message, it's simple and says, you don't read your Bible, you don't know how God works. And it's so important. I just want to encourage you, get your nose in your Bible every day. It's the living word of God, and it is amazing. If you're doing it, yay you. We just want to remind everybody that uh, our elders here at Liberty Lake Church have an upper room behind me. And there's a picture on the screen. And if you want a social distance, it's masks only. So if you want to use that, you're more than welcome to use it. Ask around if you're not sure where it is. But you can still attend church and rub elbows with uh, other members of our church. Ladies craft night, which is really kind of not a craft. It's a paint night. So they really need to know if you're coming or not. And Julie informed me that you can talk to her today before you leave. And if you want to come, she'll sign you up. And they're going to paint. Boy, you guys, I'll tell you. Do, I, <laughs> should we pause for a coffee break? <laughs> okay, laugh your way to a better marriage. Marriage is amazing. God designed marriage to make us holy, not happy. And back to Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine. if we read our Bibles, we figure out why God designed marriage to submit to each other. And it works neat when we do it his way. If God's the creator and the Bible's our owner's manual, It's just amazing. So laugh your way to a better marriage. Two things that's good. 
one, you laugh. We quit taking each other so seriously and uh, personalize and assign motive in everything that we're not supposed to do according to the Word of God. But we all have a little bit of issues in there, and we're human. So this gives us skills and training. There's also um, meals there, so we need a head count. So again, contact Julie if you're going to show up. Uh, there's breakfast at 8 o'clock. If you don't want to roll out of bed, show up at 9. So swing through the drive through at Mickey D's and pick up a really happy meal because you're going to enjoy the time if you're coming. So one last thing I just wanted to share with you guys. My oldest daughter, uh, Cindy and I have three girls, and our oldest one had some uh, health issues, just some health struggles. And so she asked a while back if I would have my um, DNA done because it'll show you some of the medical issues and where it came from and, you know, what's, what your probability is in certain areas. So I did, and I was fascinated to find out that uh, my family is actually from the tribe of Judah in early Rome. Seriously. So I started playing around with Jewish proverbs, you know, like fish and relatives stink after three days. You know, the Jewish proverbs? I just want to leave you with this before I sit down, is always treat people kindly that have access to your toothbrush. <laughs> so, words of wisdom at church today. I'm glad you're here. Uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the things I appreciate about our family, uh, this this gathering is that we actually do get to laugh and we get to celebrate um, real family life. And um, that's family life, right? Be careful where you leave your toothbrush. So uh, on, a, on a very serious but, but also I think a positive note, um, this morning uh, Travis is going to share with us uh, a, a little bit about uh, what's going on in his family. Um, but we are uh, publicly announcing uh, he is stepping down from the full-time paid youth and worship position. Um, and I, I, wanna, I want you to know that um, I'm actually, it took me a little while to become excited about it, um, but we're at a good spot uh, at this point in time, number one, because this is not a sin issue. Uh, Travis is not leaving because of something that's been hidden and, and exposed. And so this is actually a very positive thing. Uh, and I want him to share a little bit about what he's gone through and, and how he's come to this decision. Um, but I want you to hear from the elders and I that, that we have, after meeting with him and, and praying with him, we are standing behind him 100% on this. And we'll make the adjustments that we need to make and, and move forward. But um, Lord willing, they're going to, as long as God keeps them here, they're going to, he'll still be singing with us and volunteering. And uh, we'll still get to see Claire and be part of the family with them. Um, but why don't you share what God's been doing with you? And then I'll pray with you for you and your bride and, and wrap it up. Sure. Um, so, yeah, like you said, the, this is bittersweet. Um, but. Uh, I need to prioritize my family, and I need to prioritize my marriage right now. That's what comes first, and ultimately, that's that's good. N not only good for me, 
not only good for my wife, but also good for the body. As she and I come closer together, as me and my family come closer together, um, it's for the good of the entire body because we're stepping into God's design on what marriage is. We're stepping into God's design of what a family is. And um, I, want, I want to align myself with that. We both want to align ourselves with that. Um, and uh, it's, it's funny. I had, a, I had a friend not too long ago. I was telling him all this now, you know, excited I, I was in one sense and he's like dude don't don't try to play me i i know you are, are are you like sad at all and i'm like oh yeah for sure um this is something that the lord's placed in my heart and i love you guys like so much um and whew, okay we're cool we're good um <laughs> uh, I know where you live, man. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, like 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 Shane said, I'm I'm still around. I'm still involved with the youth group. I still want to play up here and stuff. But um, now the uh, but now that there's just going to be a little bit of a change more in, in my home life and stuff. And so, I think that just about covers it. I'm excited, but um, like I said, still still bittersweet. And uh, so I'll be looking for a job around here. So you might. You might end up seeing me elsewhere, Pro- probably, maybe. So, um, yeah. I think the the good part, and this is what I'm so proud of Travis and Claire in, um, is that a lot of a lot of youth guys, a lot of young guys, they actually run their family into the ground before they make this decision. Uh, and there's a lot of guys that that fail and leave ministry because of failure. And so the part that I, what I'm proud about is that Travis seeing this is making that step now, um, and that that's a very good thing. Um, I did, just so you guys know, no pressure, but I did tell them that this was the most loving church they're ever going to experience in their lives. So, you know, no no pressure. Uh, but um, I am proud of you, bud, and um, let me pray for them. And then, obviously, we're going to continue to be a family and do life together, and and uh, we'll see what God does. We know he's got something for you guys. We know he has something for us, and we'll see how that partnership continues to go so Travis looked at me and goes so we're gonna say hey I'm leaving and then I gotta I gotta start playing guitar and sing praises right and I'm like yeah that's awesome isn't that great <laughs> how much how better could this be so all right let me pray and uh, father thanks for Travis uh, Lord thank you for the time that we've had thanks for for him being part of our body thank you for Claire his bride thank you that uh, Lord as they move through this next phase in their life they're not done with ministry he's just not showing up here uh, full-time on a, uh, on a weekly basis uh, during the week. Uh, ministry goes on regardless of our occupation. And so, God, I just pray that you would give him and Travis clarity in their, uh, or him and Claire, clarity in their vision of what you have for them and the next step for them, uh, what it looks like for them to be in ministry uh, while, while in a vocation somewhere else, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would bless their marriage, bless their family as they pursue you in this time. Uh, and we thank you for the privilege of having them as part of our family and uh, for the privilege that we've had with them sharing in the ministry of the weekly ministry of the church um, over this last year. And we really look forward, God, to seeing what you're going to do in the days to come. So we give you the praise and glory for all you're doing in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, won't you join us as we sing Stand in Your Love. Now, this is a, this is a new song, kind of. Uh, you hear it on the radio a lot. Um, I'm going to start out by showing you guys how to sing the chorus. It's super easy. Um, and we'll start with that, and then we'll jump into the song. So starting out with the chorus. 
My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. When darkness tries to roll over my bones. When sorrow comes to steal the joy I own When brokenness and pain is all I know I won't be shaken No, I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in your love My fear doesn't stand a chance When I stand in Stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your
And all an empty world can sell is empty dreams Got lost in the light when it was up to me To make a name the world burns But Jesus is the only name to remember And I, I don't want to leave a legacy, I don't care if they remember me, only Jesus. And I, I've only got one life to live, I'll let every second point to Him, only Jesus. All the trophies won will crumble into dust when it's said and done. All that returns. Did I live the truth to the ones I love? Was my life the proof that there is only one whose name will last forever? be seated. We're going to take a minute and do communion this morning. I don't know if it's been this way for you, but going through Mark and being where we're at with the crucifixion, 
uh, has made looking at communion even more uh, powerful for me and, and more real, uh, recognizing Christ's death on the cross uh, as being that sacrificial lamb that we see in the Old Testament at the, at the um, original, at the first Passover uh, that the Jews exercised in Egypt. And, and to have it follow where, where Jesus is actually betrayed by, his, uh, by one of his own. What an amazing truth, what, is, what an amazing reality you and I get to celebrate this morning as we think about our salvation and our hope in Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23, he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. I love, as Paul challenges us to examine our own lives, he reminds us that it's, it's the love and it's the gracious love of our Father in heaven who says, examine your hearts before you come and do this. Recognize the importance of this. Uh, so would you bow your heads just for a moment with me and, and quietly do the work that you need to do between you and the Lord and um, make your hearts right this morning in confession before God as we begin to do communion. Father, I thank you that your love and forgiveness covers <clears throat> our sin. Lord, I thank you that you are patient and kind and long-suffering and that in your sovereign will, you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins. The sin that we oftentimes um, overlook even in our own lives um, and the, the, the difficulty, I think, for us as church-going people, is that at times we we uh, we take care of the big ones pretty well, um, but the heart issues of pride and and selfishness and uh, even the idolatry that sneaks in sometimes overwhelms us. So, Lord, this morning as we come before you, I pray that you would, um, through your Holy Spirit, you would. Show us in our own lives the areas that you would call us to, to be aware of, the, the areas of sin that we may not even be, uh, not even realize that we're, that we're uh, enslaved to still today. And in that, Lord, we are going to take communion, uh, Lord, in honor of your Son, Jesus Christ, to remind us of the sacrifice 
to remind us of the covenant that is fulfilled in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, in the death, in his blood, and in his body, Lord, that we celebrate this morning. So we thank you for that in your name. Amen. Again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, For I received from the Lord that what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take together. And in verse 25, he says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take it. Father, help us to see this week in, the, in our own lives, God, the effect of your spirit convicting us of sin, of pointing us to your wisdom, of bringing hope and joy, the, the, the presence that is, uh, is because of you, uh, Lord, to bear on our own lives, that we would live in a way that would reflect your glory, that would reflect um, your love and your presence in each of our lives. We give you the thanks and the praise for all that you're doing today, Lord, as we worship you, not just with music, but with the actions of our life. Amen. Why don't you join us for our final song, Breathe. This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread. is my daily bread your very word spoken to me and I I'm desperate for you This is the air I breathe. 
This is the air I breathe Your holy presence Living in me This is my daily is my daily bread your very word spoken to me and I I'm desperate for you is the air I breathe This is the air I breathe One more time This is the air I breathe 
This is the air I breathe. Thank you, Father, for your presence being made known in this in this church body to uh, myself and my wife and my family, Lord. You are just just too much. And can't get enough of you, Lord. And I look forward to whatever it is that you have planned. And Father, I pray that you would Bless the words and the message and the update on uh, what Steve has to share this morning. And I pray that we would all learn and glean something from your word and uh, enjoy time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all may be seated. Church, you're welcome to head on out. All right, our nursery crew can head on down. Everybody follow Kai. Kai, can you lead him down there? All right, we got Kai's on the job. Hey, it is a privilege. Uh, you know, when Steve and I met, uh, I, you guys had the privilege of knowing him for many years before I got to meet him, and uh, I have really enjoyed uh, the last uh, three years of getting to spend time with him, but I think the moment that I knew he and I were going to be really good friends was that very first sermon he did, and he actually put a RAV4 up on the screen as an illustration because he happened to have watched the one sermon that I mentioned, and it has never left. And I just really appreciated that. I appreciated that, he, that one, he appreciates cars, and, and two, that he is uh, such a humble servant that he'd drive a RAV4. So, um, unlike, <laughs> which clearly I struggle with. So I asked Steve to come up and give us an update. So thank you for doing that, and we look forward to hearing from you. working? Now it's almost good. Um, thanks, Shane, for that introduction, uh, I think. Um, anyway, it is a great privilege to be here. Um, I was delighted to see so many familiar faces, um, and I'm looking forward to, seeing, to getting to know some of the faces I don't know. Um, today, like we talked about, we're going to do a um, just a missions update, and let me get this thing started here. Uh, basically, but before we start, I, I wanted to show you, for, especially for the people who have known us before, because we were sent out from this church 15 years ago, right from that spot, and was going to go for a one-year tour. Um, the Lord had different plans, and I'm glad he didn't tell me what we were in for at that time, because we probably would have run away running and screaming. But um, he has been faithful, and I'm delighted to share what uh, part of the journey that's happened. But before we start, I just kind of wanted to show you what the main team looks like right now. Because when we last left, our kids were like this. So uh, the main team is, well, that's not even the whole main team, because thanks to COVID, it's really hard to get a full family picture together. So we'll have to Photoshop two, uh, two little guys. I've had two uh, COVID grandbabies uh, since then. My youngest son, Sam, also got married. So I have a new daughter-in-law, Chelsea. There's a shout out to her. And then my other son-in-law, uh, Emma's husband, is not in that picture. So we have Kylie, Max, Sam, my dear life, wife, Gay, who's sitting over here, uh, myself, and Emma. So that's, that's the mean team. Um, but again, that's the, part, of the, part of the family were in the mission field with us. Part of us um, stayed away, but that's, uh, that's who we are, and that's what gives me a lot of strength at, during this time. 
So before we, before we kick off, I want to talk about what kind of missionary uh, you guys are supporting. And basically what you are supporting is a businessman who is using his business skills and what God experience has given for the kingdom. And so what we do is, is I'm a business as mission missionary. So a business as mission missionary takes business and supports ministry with it. And um, right now I'm doing that in different projects around the world. I've got a project in UAE, in Vietnam, in India, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan. We're not going to talk about any of those places. Uh, we're going to talk about the place that's my most favorite place right now, and that's in Cuba. So to get things started, I got a short two-minute video just to uh, just give you a flavor and a start for what, what, what's going on in Cuba. So let's go with that. When we think of Cuba, some strong images come to mind, whether it's beautiful white beaches, classic cars cruising down the, the boulevards, cigars, salsa, dance, the arts. Even the architecture is, is just classic. It's um, even in its state of ruins, uh, it gives it just gives a testimony of what the country was like before the revolution. Then the revolution. The revolution's still present in the lives of the people with its everyday military presence and also with the iconic statues that remind the, the people of the revolution is still with us, whether it be Fidel or Che. The revolution is part of the DNA of the island of Cuba. But there's a revolution going on that's maybe not quite so iconic or, or quite so public, but it's very, very strong and it's very radical. And that is, there's a revolution for the gospel. There's a group of believers who were born after the revolution, who have lived under communist rule their whole lives, who are on fire for the Lord. They have an audacious goal. And it's twofold, and it's simple. First step is plant churches throughout the island. And then the second step is grow the believers through discipleship and then send, become a sending nation. So it's first the island of Cuba, then the world. That's just a little teaser. Um, Cuba's a, an exciting place. It's only 90 miles from the coast of Florida. And 90 miles is nothing. I mean, you think about it. That's the distance between Spokane and uh, Lookout Pass. Uh, it's a place where it, it's a very strong totalitarian regime that holds, um, holds its people really, really closely and really tightly. It's kept control and is able to do things because of it's that way. It's a hotbed right now. It's a hotbed in, in politics with the, uh, the embargo with Venezuela. So there's a lot of things going on here. So in Cuba right now, we have three different ministries, like we said in the video. We've got a church planning group. We've got that basically plants house churches within Cuba. And then we've got a missionary sending and training agency, which takes Cuban missionaries and puts them off around the world. We've got seven missionaries right now that are from Cuba that are in different parts. And when you think about it, Cubans are the greatest missionary candidate. They're used to living 
and really harsh conditions. They're accepted in places where us North Americans can't go. I mean, every place we can't go, they're, they're loved. And, and, they're, and they're really flexible, creative people because they've had to been, because they've lived for over 50 years uh, under this, this, this tough rule. So they're great for sending people out. And then our third thing is we've got a group of den- um, churches, house churches, it's a denomination, and, uh, and a seminary, which basically trains the, p- the pastors before they go off into the thing, uh, off into their house churches. And all that is supported by these businesses mission projects. Um, and I'd say supported, it's loosely, because it's really hard to start a business in a, company, in a country that doesn't allow free, free enterprise. Everything's a cooperative. Everything's owned by the government. In fact, if you have something that gets too big, the government will take it, whether it's a really nice, hmm, that's a really nice um, crop of yucca you got there, of a crop. The government will come in and take it when it's just ready for harvest. So it's really hard to get businesses going, but that's why we're there. It's, nobody said it was going to be easy. So um, next I want to show you what house church looks like. This next picture is a house church. And this is a really, really, really nice house church. That church has been around for 40 years. Um, it's on the big side. They stay about 50 people in a house church. And then they basically, and they split for different reasons than we do in the U.S. They split because they're, um, they, they want to plant churches. And so 50 is just about the right number because if it gets too big, the government will come and say, oh, you're getting a little too powerful, a little it's too much influence. So they'll go and they'll keep the number around 50. So this is a big house church. And then let me show you the next slide is a more typical house church. Um, and these are throughout the island. And the, uh, it's, just, it's just fun to see the, the range of house churches. The next slide I want to show you is the seminary grounds. And I say, it's a beautiful piece of property, but I got to tell you, the facilities have seen better days. The, uh, uh, they've had two hurricanes come through and just kind of devastate the, the buildings. And the government also seized it and stripped all the stuff of value, the compressors, all the generators and stuff like that. So the seminary's working. It's, um, it's getting back on its feet, but it's got great potential. It's the heart of this denomination, but they really, um, it's not pretty, it ain't. So, so that's kind of the physical stuff of what's going on. But I kind of want to go a little bit deeper in what's happening in Cuba today. You know, we've struggled uh, with masks, no masks, um, restrictions, but it, it's nothing compared to what happens if you live on an island nation where you have a totalitarian regime where you can shut things down if you want to. That's exactly what they did. They sh- shut the borders. Say, hey, we're not going to neither allow international flights uh, for a while there, or also, can you travel between cities? So in Cuba now, we're seeing long lines. There can be, it's really typical to have a, a, a mile-long queue or line to get food. To get one egg, you may get one in a month. Gas, electricity, internet, all those things have been clamped down. And if that wasn't tough enough, in January of this year, what they did was they um, took the currency and said, oh, we're not going to use that currency anymore. It's $2 on it. 
And so what they did, it, that currency is called the CUC. They said, the CUC is no longer going to be valid. Bring it all in, and we're going to give you new currency. So imagine, you're, you're struggling for food, you're struggling for medicine, and all of a sudden, you've got no, no money in your economy. So things have been tough. So here we are, this group of missionaries. We've got business projects supposed to help these ministries and do all that stuff. We saw this coming over the months. And I was just in, in Cuba, well, now it's been almost uh, 11 months since I've, been, since I've been there. At first we thought we could manage this. At first we thought we could strategize and do strategic things. We'll take things from projects and we'll give it to relief, to feed for the poor and do all these things. You know, we tried to do stuff, and it became real evident as we fell on our faces that there was nothing we could do to help these folks. The only thing we could do was pray with them, to share our weaknesses and their weaknesses together. And so that's what we did upon week upon week for this whole year. And I'm not glorifying poverty. Poverty is ugly and it's hard. I'm not glorifying um, or sanctifying people who are in those conditions. They're no more holy than we are. Right? They squabble and fight just like the U.S. church does. Um, but I did see something that happened, and it made me jealous of them. Over time, over this time in prayer, when you had nothing left, their deepening prayer life brought them to a sense of who they were under God, it was totally attractive. It was something, I want that for my life. A deepening prayer life of gratitude that uh, it doesn't matter what happens around you because you know who your king is. And when there's nothing, when you have that relationship, he's here and you're down here and you can only depend on him and he becomes enough, that is so lovely and attractive. And that's something that I want for me and frankly, I want it for us as a body. I also got to say, during the prayer time, miracles do happen. And I want to show you a miracle and tell you a story about a miracle that did happen in, in Cuba. And this happened in, like in August. So we had the, the denomination, you know, with their 16 churches, had this van. We called the van Lazarus because it had died so many times. That, and they got resurrected, and they got really good mechanics in Cuba. They're really creative people, and so they'd machine it apart, and they'd make it and keep it going, Lazarus is up again. And every time I drive in Lazarus, I'm, I'm afraid, but Lazarus made it all the way through. Well, in about June of this year, Lazarus finally died, and we couldn't do anything about it. We can't even send money because the, the U.S. government made an embargo of sending funds, international funds, into the islands. And they did that just to basically because all the people that live in in, in Florida, to sending funds into, into the island. That's where the biggest sources of the whole country's economy is. But it, for political reasons, that's been shut off. So we can't send the money to, to resurrect Lazarus again. So we kept praying. So an answer to prayer came in the form of a baby blue 1957 Chevy. <laughs> and what's even, what's even more strange about this, and strange is the word that we can debate whether the word is, um, the way this thing came to them is nothing short than a miracle. The, 
police department in their uh, checkpoints between the cities stopped a gentleman driving this car. The papers were not in order. They checked the papers and said, oh, this belongs to this denomination. They pulled the guy out of the car, took the car over to the denomination and said, well, here's the police, the police, police who's against the church delivering a car which is desperately needed to, to able to, to, um, do, to be connect their churches. But here it is. And sure enough, that car had been robbed years ago um, and was being preserved for the time when just when they needed it. God does answer prayers. God answers prayers in details and specific ways that, that we can't even conceive of it. So now I'm looking forward to the next time we go is driving in baby blue. So, um, but again, that part of, for me, being a business guy and being a doer and all the time, this season of only being able to prayer, pray has really, really changed my heart toward prayer. I really want to have a prayer of gratitude, a deepening prayer life. And, and I don't know what it would take to get that. Does that mean we have to, uh, for us, to have a great prayer life? Does that mean we all have to, all of a sudden, take off our dollar bills and rip them up? Does it mean we uh, can get restrained, that we can't go between Barker and State Line? And uh, does it mean that we can't have access to medicine? I hope not. But I think there are a few steps that we can take and a few ways that we can try to develop a deepening prayer life, a prayer life of gratitude. So I've thought about this. I've looked at the scripture, and I, and I want to just share with you four points, four ways that I think we can step into this wonderful thing uh, of a prayer life. So the first one is, the first point is on this thing is, we can't do it ourselves. Um, you have to ask God to do this, because this is not something we can, we can grab onto. We can't all of a sudden become people that depend on him. Um, and so the scripture, we have a scripture verse that tells us exactly this piece, and that is Ezekiel 36, 26. And I don't know if you guys look in your Bibles or you look on your phones, but I got it, I got it right up here. And this is from the ESV. Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So the first thing in getting a deepening, a deeper prayer life is ask God to do it for us. Second point, if we want to have a deeper prayer life, get rid of the fear. There is no such thing as a perfect prayer. You don't have to say the right words, because if, if you think about it, if you did have to say the right words and you said, oh, I got it all right, now God's going to give me what I want, that's no longer asking God. That's, that's you doing it again. It's going back to that doing part versus being. So just put up the prayer and just put up words that, that sound clumsy. I understand what clumsy is because I'm, I'm doing it right now for you. You know what I mean? It's, uh, you don't have to say the right things. And this is really well, I want, I want, to, sh I want to go back to scripture on this too. This, it's really clear in the Bible. Let's go to Matthew on this one. Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, 
for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So um, we have to ask him, and we have to ask him unashamedly without fear. Um, I think that's so often, and, and especially praying in public, we say, oh, we, you know, we can't say the right things, I put it the wrong way, but we've just got to get rid of that and put up the shot. I also, there's another scripture that ties in with that really well. That's Philippians 4, 7, and 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, not only does he not care about the words you say, he said, pray about everything. Pray about a beater van you have that you need to, to, for transportation. Pray about all things. He wants to hear your, hear your prayers. And, and don't be afraid also about um, praying for the wrong thing. He's God. He's not going to give it to you if it's not the right thing for you. So... Again, I want to encourage you and, and myself is we need to be in prayer and, and, and just do it. The third point, if we want to have a deeper prayer life, we need to practice gratitude and, and, and remembering the, the giver. And, th- and this one, I'm going to camp out a little bit on this one. This is a, a little bit more, um, is a little bit more of an example. So, Gratitude is not something that comes natural to us as, as North Americans. We're not naturally thankful for all these things because, hey, we earned this, we did this, we all those, all those things. So gratitude sometimes has to be practiced. So I'm going to do an exercise here and uh, work, work with me through on this one and see if it works. Think in your mind of a few things that you just really like that are good in your day. It could be a, hap- a, a good meal or a happy meal in the case of Don. Um, <laughs> It could be a, um, a nice piece of music. It could be a sunset. Um, it could be a kind word that a friend brought to you just at the right time. So think of that thing. And I want you to think of that, that thing and think of it as uh, a shaft of sunlight. So put that thing out there in your hand, and that's a, a shaft of sunlight. It's a gift. And the first thing you say is, Lord, thank you for this thing. And I'm going to say one for me. Thank you for the kind word that came to me just in time when I need it, that words of encouragement. Thank you for giving that to me. So that's thanksgiving. So we're thanking God for giving us something. Now we're going to take this and we're going to give it another whole year. We're going to turn this thanksgiving into adoration. So remember that was a shaft of light that came on for this thing, for these kind words? We're going to take that shaft of light. We're going to follow the shaft of light up to its source, the sun. So we're going to turn this gratitude, this thanksgiving, into adoration. Thank you, Lord, for giving me those kind words that's, that Sally gave to me uh, last week. I needed it just at that time, and it encouraged me. What a great and awesome God you are that knew in advance that Sally would be coming by at that particular time, and that was exactly what my heart needed to do. You're a God that is so awesome that, the t- that you know the timing of all the schemes of, of Sally's pattern of walking to me, of um, 
of when my heart needed it and you arranged the divine appointment, you are the God of all time. You know me. You know my innermost parts. You created me. And you have all things planned for my good. Thank you. What an awesome and wonderful God you are. So I took, by doing that, I took a thing that was we're thankful for. It could be a meal, any of those things. This, this, this event, this, these kind words, and I took them and I reflected to follow them back up and turned it into adoration. So thanksgiving and adoration are two sides of the same coin, and we're called to not just be grateful and thankful, but also to, be, to acknowledge and give praise to the giver of all good things. And that will deepen your prayer life, because now it's not just the rote prayer we have, you know, God is good, God is great, thank you for the food, amen. It is, you are awesome, you are wonderful, you are the creator of all things. So we turn this into adoration. Last point. If we want to have a deeper prayer life, um, don't do it alone. And the, and the scripture that goes with this is, um, actually, we're gonna, we're just gonna, I'm going to talk about this one first. And it, actually, the scriptures could go lots of ways on this. And that same scripture we talked about in Matthew. Did, did we talk about the Matthew one? Okay. In the Matthew scripture, it's a, uh, if you want up just a few, few verses before that, it'll say, go off and pray. You know, so pray alone. Make it prayer a private thing. Go in your own closets and pray. You, know, you don't have to pray in public. Well, God says that, and I, I fully encourage everyone to pray all the time, both in private, alone, intimately with God. But God also wants us to pray about all things. And he doesn't expect us to live in closets all the time, in our prayer closets. He expects us to be out in the world. So if we're praying all the time, in all situations, in all conditions, uh, that means we're going to be praying in public. The Lord's Prayer, you know, the prayer that we're given to us, is written in the plural. Our Father, who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. It's not written in the singular. So he expects us, he asks us to to pray in public. And, and the reason I'm camping on this, I'm not saying that we need to not pray individually, because we do and we should, and we always should be there. But praying in public changes our dynamic, changes our perspective of who God is, because when we hear the prayers of others, it modifies our own belief. I know that's it's a little bit theoretical, so I'm going to bring it home to an example, and I'm going to embarrass a brother in order to do that. So, Al, I'm really sorry ahead of time. I'm using Al as an example here. Um, and I'm using Al because this is not Al worship, by the way. I just want to make that really clear. Um, I'm using Al because many, many of us know him, and, and he's a good point to make, make an example of. So say there's a group of friends sitting around in a room, and we're talking about Al. And we're talking about his attributes and how much we like Al and what his characteristics are. And so one person would say, man, I, I just really enjoy Al because he's been a selfless volunteer. He's helped in this church. He's done so many things. He's painted most of these walls. He laid this tile here. Al's volunteered a lot. And somebody else would say, oh, yeah, that's right, Al has. And somebody else might say, you know, 
I really like Al because he's a skilled tradesman. Al can do plumbing, he can do electrical, he can do roofing, uh, and he can see things through 3D that most of us can't even conceptualize. I didn't know that about Al. Al's, you know, that, that is true, that is true about Al. Somebody else say, I like Al's preaching. He understands Reformed theology so well that he always brings out the word in ways that are special and clear to me. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I yeah, get that about Al. Then somebody else says, you know, Al's an experienced mountaineer. Do you know Al has climbed most of the peaks around this area, and he's taught um, crevasse rescue and mountaineering safety. So Al has brought many people on the end of a rope through the mountain passes. Uh, and then somebody else may say, you know, I'm, I'm Al's neighbor. I've seen Al take grass or take feed out to the animals um, during, the, during the winter storm, and he separates the grass, the, the food for the deer versus the squirrels versus the rabbits. Al has got a kind heart. So each person, as we do this, and we talk about Al, everybody else sees an aspect they didn't know about Al. And so we get to know Al better. And again, this is not Al worship, but if we do this with a human being and we get to know him better, what would it be like with a supreme being who's got so many attributes that no one person can see? And as we get to, so that's what prayer is. When we're giving adoration, God, I praise you because you made us. God, I praise you because you brought the sun in for all these, all these pieces. As we, we, as we give adoration, it lets other people hear it, and we learn aspects of our king that we get to know him better. And when you get to know somebody better, you get to trust him more. And with that trust, your, your faith will grow. You'll be willing to ask him, ask him for these things. Your prayer life will be deeper. So I'm encouraging you to pray in public. Pray with brothers and sisters. Do it, do it to your family first, because it's a safer group. But don't miss out on the blessing of praying and giving adoration in public. Um, there's lots of places to do that in this church. Uh, the men's group is meeting. I know they're praying. The women's people, I, m- I imagine you're not just painting all the time. I imagine you're, you're praying some there too. Um, a prayer life done in public uh, is, gives you an extra way to get to know our king better. I also want to invite you to, uh, and this is a shameless plug, um, the prayer, we have a uh, prayer session every, it's called family prayer or corporate prayer, every uh, third, the th- Julie's at the third, fourth, the fourth Tuesday. So that'll become up like the 23rd of this, of this month. But anyways, we sit out in the foyer and we pray. And we pray in, um, we pray together. And I can tell you, most of the time, we're sitting around just quietly praying and interceding together. It's a rich time. Um, I, I come away encouraged every time because I hear some of the brothers and sisters praying, and I say, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And so I, I come away lifted up, and I invite you to do that because I think it will be a time that you'll uh, grow deeper in your walk. So those are the points. Cuba, I love. I would love to take a team, and Lord willing, it'll be in, in this year. I would invite anybody to come with me You'll see things, and it won't just be poverty for poverty's sake. It won't just be, uh, and we're not going to sanctify or hold these people up because they're, you know, they've 
be, through their suffering, they've had to come to a, a, a more mature prayer life. But I can guarantee you, you'll see and share with brothers and sisters that are just trying to get through the day uh, under the conditions they're under. But let's go see it. Come with, come with me. Um, you're invited. You're, I will invite you. There'll be a, a formal invitation. So I don't know. Are we supposed to have another song? I'm, that's basically okay. Well, I would like to invite the um, the, the people leading the songs to come back. Because <laughs> anybody got any questions? I I answer. I don't know how are we doing for time too. Oh, nobody's left here. <laughs> well, let's quit. Let, I'll quit while I'm ahead. Then thank you very much. Thanks, Steve. Let's uh, finish out uh, with Mighty to Save as we close here today. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, I give my life to follow everything I believe in, now I
shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, he can my God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save, forever author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, Savior, He can move the mountains, my God is Father, may our hearts be ever in a place of gratitude and thankfulness and, um, uh, yeah, just thanking you, Lord, for all that you've given us each and every day. And um, all across the world, people are being impacted um, by life's events, Father, and yet you remain steady through all of it. And may we be ever um, reminded of that by your word, by our time together, and just by your presence. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. See you.